Hey there, everyone. Welcome to episode 23 of Points of Penalties. We'd like to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Yosh, and with me are my co-hosts, Jesse and Peter. Kevin is away today. He's celebrating his daughter's birthday. So without further ado, Jesse, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Aloria Borealis. It's a pale ale, 5.1%. It's from Alora Brewing Company. So first couple sips are pretty tasty right now. Peter, what are you drinking? Thanks, Jesse. I'm drinking a Cowbell Brewing Absent Landlord Country Kolsch. It's 5.3%. Ha ha. Got me. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really good so far. Doesn't... Uh, doesn't taste very strong at all. It's, uh, it's good taste, good flavor. It's good stuff. Josh, what are you drinking? All right. Well, I wish Kev was here for this one because there's a few things that uh, he'll like. So one, it's this is from Steam uh, Steam Whistle Brewing. It's called Voodoo Ranger. It's got a picture of a ranger that's uh, got a skull face. So of course, Kev will love that. And uh, as a tribute to the upset today in the Euro uh, 2020, it's a New Belgium IPA strong beer, 7%. And again, it's called Voodoo Ranger. That is a cool can. It is a cool can, yeah. And it's tasty as hell. I like it. And uh, yeah, so good on you, Steam Whistle. Who knew that you uh, would come up with other beers other than the normal? Not this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Until now. Until now. Well, guys, depending on how you look at hockey and how you're a Canadian fan or are you a Canadiens fan or are you not a Canadiens fans it looks like they're uh, they're rolling on through why don't you tell us about it Peter yeah they are so the Habs managed to beat the Golden Knights in six games in overtime so they are moving on to the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1993 where of course they won the cup that year's a sore spot for me in hockey man yeah this one is a sore spot for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> so after they won the game, uh, outside of the Bell Center, riots ensued. Mini riots, not too bad, but call it egregious partying. And um, the fans that were actually inside the building were asked to, they weren't allowed to leave the Bell Center for their own safety because of what was going on outside. There were fans setting up fireworks. A uh, police car ended up being flipped and damaged. Um, yeah, it was just a bit nuts. Uh, eventually, the police were brought in to use tear gas to disperse the crowd, and the fans inside were allowed to leave. But uh, they went a little bit over the top, I would say, for especially for a victory. Reminds me of when Vancouver was rioting after they lost in Game 7 of the Finals back in uh, 2011. But that was on a loss. This is a win to get into the finals. So this is how happy they get, bud. They just they just needed to destroy something. Yeah, this they, doesn't uh, this doesn't surprise me at all. After being, especially in Quebec, they were under a quor or not quarantine, excuse me, but uh, um, lockdown. Cur- curfew. They were lockdown and a curfew, and so now they're allowed out. Now you can have fans at the hockey games, and they win doesn't surprise me at all that fucking shit hit the fan <laughs> <laughs> and people were partying and whatnot so 
uh, you know, good, good for them to, to have fun and whatnot. And hopefully nobody was hurt. I don't care about the police car because who cares about a police car really? Like shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people got tear gas. I don't know if you count that as getting hurt, but nah. hopefully no one got injured. Let's put it there that you way. Go. There you go. Leading up to that game, because uh, I think the Golden Knights did eventually score in the power play uh, in one of their games. But um, through this series against the Golden Knights, against the Jets, and against the Leafs, the Habs consistently put together the most straight games in postseason history without allowing a power play goal. At 11 straight games, that's 27 out of 27 on the penalty kill. Wow. That nobody scored on them. Going back to game, I think game five against the Leafs. So you had an excuse for to be a, a Leafs fan and their power play shit in the bed. It was just the Canadians were just too good. Maybe and, the maybe the penalty kill was just really good. Yeah. Power play for the Leafs sucked for the second half of the season anyway. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it sucked for everyone else in the playoffs too, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> How much of that do you think? Is Carey Price, and how much do you think is the defense and the, the system? Like 85% Carey Price. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. MVP for the Canadians. Oh, yeah. Oh, no question. There's, yeah, if they win, there's no choice who the counts might win. No choice. Yeah, I mean, unless unless one guy rips it up in the finals, like, it you can't, know. He can't do enough at this point. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, maybe if you get, you know, maybe if he scores fucking five goals of games, you know, whoever yeah. it may be, <laughs> then maybe, but. Yeah. And Carey Price has to shit the bed, too. Right, exactly. <laughs> but then they won't win. At well, if you're scoring five goals a game, you're so I, I guess, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they will be playing against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who beat the Islanders in a Game 7 finale. Um, which the only goal in that game was a shorthanded goal by Yanni Gord. And Tampa won game seven, won nothing. And so Braden Point, because he didn't score in that game seven, but leading up to that, he had scored in, I think, nine straight games. He had scored a goal. And he was one game away from tying the record of most uh, consecutive playoff games with scoring a goal uh, of 10. He got to nine, but he couldn't put up a goal in game seven. So he didn't match that record, but he came damn close. And he is playing out of his mind. Does Wayne own that record, or do you know who owns that? No, it's – I forget the guy's first name, but it's Leach. He played with – Brian Leach? Not Brian Leach. Different Leach. Leach with an A. Um, He played in the 70s for the Flyers. I forget his first name. Kevin would probably know. Kevin would know. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin really wants his jersey. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, with the whole salary cap thing here um, with Tampa and, you know, playing the loopholes and whatnot, if Tampa goes through and ends up winning this thing, do you think there should be an asterisk on this? No. No, because that's the way the rule is is written. They didn't break a single rule. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with Peter on this. Why, why a, would you yeah, take them take it out of that? It's stupid, yeah. but it's 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 a loophole. Yeah, the game's I, all about finding loopholes. Yeah, I get the intent of it. it 
but it's being exploited. Yeah, for sure. Like, and and it probably wouldn't matter so much if it wasn't a superstar, you yeah. know, but, but then the cost wouldn't be as much either. So, you know, it wouldn't be as hard to, to keep them on that, uh, that roster, but yeah, I don't know. It's just an odd, an odd thing there with, you know, Oh, your $8 million doesn't go against the cap this year. Great. Like the, the thing they did that's probably gray area cheating a little bit is that he didn't play at all throughout the whole season. And he probably could have in right. the later end tail end of the season. But they just kept him on injured reserve for that time. So maybe what the fix is is to crack down on, on if a player is actually injured or not. Yeah, like maybe they do third-party inspection type things. Right. Well, the thing in the NFL is you have to give updated reports or you get fined on uh, injuries and everything like that. Now, in the NFL, every game is a little bit more precious than it is in the NHL, except when you have the playoffs, obviously, but he was ready for the playoffs. Uh, But you have to give accurate information on the injury list when someone is injured or when if they're not kind of thing like that, or else you do get fined. Yet it needs to be exact what they're saying too, right? Like you have to say that you hurt your left arm as opposed to an upper body injury. I'm pretty sure in the NFL. Oh yeah. They have to, like I said, it has to be accurate of where the injury is and everything like that. And, yeah. and I, the diagnosis of the ETA of them returning is always up in the air, but usually most NFL players, they're trying to get them back in into the game as soon as possible because even if they are in injured reserve, it still counts against your cap. Yeah. And it's like the true nature of sport. You should be trying to get your guys back in the lineup as soon as they're healthy. Yeah. And he should want to play too. Like he should yeah. be like, like, fuck you boys. I want to fucking play hockey. Like put me in there. Put me in coach. Put me in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to play today. Yeah, but so like I don't even know if if even they had the same role as the NFL, they would just say, yeah, he's still hurt with whatever he's hurt with, mm-hmm. and they would just lie because that's all they did. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. They found a loophole, they exploited it, and they may well be on their way to their second straight Stanley Cup because of it. Yeah, and now we have no one winning the three points because Josh lost. Yeah, with I the Knights. Know. I can't believe no one took Tampa. <laughs> that was my other one that I was going to take instead of the pens, but just because you, I did it purposely against you because you said they were going to shit the bed, which you were right. <laughs> but you also said the Leafs. Yeah, and <laughs> I was gonna, wrong, all right? <laughs> <laughs> they might be in this position right now too, bud. Maybe. Maybe. We will never know. Oh, well, we can think about it. Yeah, I prefer not to. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Peter's over it a little bit more, but if Kev was here, he would still be <laughs> throwing up his hands, saying, like, they would have been here for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If they had managed to not choke in the first round, they probably just would have choked in the second round. We'll never know. We'll never know. So who are your picks? I can't I can't do it. I have to go with Tampa. I have to. Even though I've been wrong every single time, I've picked against Montreal in every single round so far. I'm going to do it again. And they're probably going to prove me wrong again. But I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm picking Tampa. I'll definitely pick the Habs. No problem there. I picked them last time to beat 
Vegas, so might as well go get roll with them again. I'm on the same boat with you, Pete. I can't I can't take the Habs now. <laughs> I mean, I already took the Yankees, so that was bad enough. So <laughs> so I'm gonna take Tampa. But I have a feeling that uh, that red fucking suit by Bergevin there is going to make some fucking magic happen for the Habs. But uh, yeah. if it happens, it'll be all right to see it come back to Canada. It'll suck that it was uh, the Habs. I'd prefer any other Canadian team except for Ottawa yeah. <laughs> to, to win. But uh, hey, if it comes back to Canada, that's uh, not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> So, starts uh, Monday night, the first uh, game one of the Stanley Cup final, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. The Seattle Kraken, not Vegas, by the way, <laughs> Seattle Kraken, have hired their head coach, their inaugural head coach, and they stole him from the Leafs because the Leafs are so good at winning, apparently. <laughs> uh, so, Dave Haxtell will be the first coach of the, uh, of the Kraken. He was working as the least assistant coach. He was the Flyers head coach uh, a few years ago. I don't remember the exact timeline. Ending in 2018 or something, I think. Uh, which didn't go that well for him, but maybe he needs a, a restart and he can show what he's made of. Now, has Seattle started their fantasy draft, I guess, if you want to call it that? The expansion draft? Yeah. No. Because I... I thought I saw some headline that uh, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Justin Hall from, from the Leafs was, was taken by them. <laughs> no, that's a lie. <laughs> Maybe it was just like a mock. It might have been a mock. mock yeah. fantasy draft type thing for them or whatever you want to call it, expansion draft. But, but they mean, can, is, essentially it's a fantasy draft for them. <laughs> they, can, they can still trade for players right now, can they not? Yep. Yes, they can fully, now. Yeah. Fully functional, fully operational NHL team right now. But you can't really trade for players when you don't have players, right? Unless you're trading picks. So. It's be de- it'd be definitely picks, yeah. Or bags of cash. Yeah. <laughs> this, or, this this isn't the MLB. You can't be trading for cash. Yeah. Or or the Vegas trick. The, I won't take that guy, but you got to <laughs> trade me that guy for a seventh round pick. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they did that. Uh, they took advantage of some stupidity, and they ended up as a perennial. Uh, playoff contender. Yeah, for sure. So good on him. Uh, and last bit of NHL news. Uh, there's some allegations from two players uh, of the Chicago Blackhawks of sexual assault back in their uh, in their cup run back in 2010 from their video coach, Brad Aldrich. So allegedly the Blackhawks senior management were made aware of these uh, allegations and they just more or less didn't do anything about it. Um, they were expected to go to the police with, with the allegations and it just never happened. And it was near the end of the Chicago playoff run that year and they won the cup and then the video coach Brad Aldrich wasn't on the team anymore after that, so it just sort of got swept under the rug. Uh, but now it's coming back to light, and we'll see. We'll see if anything comes out of this. Uh, Mark Bergevin, the Habs GM, was actually on the team in the front office at the time. He claims that um, 
he was not aware of any of the allegations and not aware of anything going on at the time that he was part of the team. Apparently, the Blackhawks actually wrote Aldrich a letter of recommendation for his next job after being made well aware of, of this. Wow. Yeah, so that's that's not great. <laughs> Less than ideal, call it. This is kind of an odd situation because like everybody in the NHL is a is an adult, you know, with the exception of the the rookies that are just coming in. And for players that are adults to not step forward more so than just through the Blackhawks, like why didn't they th- themselves go to the police or stand up and say something? You know, I mean, social media was around back then, maybe not as prevalent as, as it is today, but you know, same type of thing. Like, how is nothing said? It's just, it's just odd. Yeah, and uh, who knows? I don't know if they thought something was happening. Maybe because uh, they did, like the players themselves did bring him forward to uh, to the team anyway. Right. And I don't know if they thought something was happening, if they thought it was being reported, or if they sort of. Uh, and I'm sure their focus was on winning the cup at that point as well. Right. Over 11 yeah. years later. Yeah. Like, so I, I, I thought it would have been a little sooner. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why it's coming up now. Um, no idea, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Well, like you said, Yosh, they, these are adults. Like maybe they were, it has to be like they were brand new rookies or something like that for this to happen because these are hockey players too. And like you'd think they'd take a swing at him, kind of thing like that. Right, exactly. Like, what are so, you doing, bro? Like, that's, I, that's yeah. my swimsuit region. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> it just it's 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 strange that that happened. But maybe like like Peter said, they're in uh, cup contention and everything like that, and they just wanted to sweep it under the rug. And they told yeah. these guys like, "Well, we'll take care of it and do nothing." Yeah, and uh, and fair enough. If the upper management said we'll deal with it, and they didn't, then that's on them, uh, you know, just as much as it is on the coach. So, or maybe they did. He did. They did hit him, kind of thing like that. Maybe something did happen. Yeah, and they swept that under the rug too. But who knows? Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I guess you really don't know that either. So, there's just also kind like, of an odd situation. That's all. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's also a like a power dynamic at play too. Like you don't like. You don't want to take a swing at your coach, even if they're being. But he ain't a coach. Well, video coach, I guess. But he's still like, a what is that? What is that? It's a it's a coach that looks coach at video with the players. So <laughs> say, look, when you did this, this was dumb. Don't do that again. Do this instead. Yeah, come over here and touch me. Like, see that this doesn't. Make sense. <laughs> like, come, come sit beside me so I can show you. Yeah, where you sit are. on my knee. Like, it just doesn't make sense, man. Coach, we got a sixty foot TV or sixty inch TV. I don't yeah. need to sit this close to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're kind of making light of it, which we should. I know it, 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 it's it's just an odd, odd situation that it's just coming up. I guess a lot of things, especially in the sexual assault world, uh, come out way, way later. But it's uh, it's an odd situation when you have full-fledged adults in the situation yeah and who knows maybe they weren't maybe they were uh maybe they were teenagers we don't know yeah yeah fair enough i mean i guess they're technically adults but still yeah still super impressionable at 18 for sure yeah especially if you're trying to make the squad and play the next game maybe you gotta give buddy a handy or whatever (laughs) (laughs) that's not right (laughs) 
No, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was offside. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's uh, we'll see what comes of that. And uh, why don't we get into what's going on in the NBA in the playoffs? Yeah, let's jump right into it. Playoff update, Eastern Conference final, uh, Milwaukee and Atlanta. They are tied at a game apiece. They play uh, tip off is actually in about three minutes or so uh, Sunday evening. It'll be interesting to see who comes out on this one uh, on top. Atlanta has been lights out. Trey Young has just been a man possessed. And it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can put the team on his back again here and uh, and put the Bucks down. Yeah, the Bucks got to double him up. Like, just need to stop him. Yeah, I think if you just stop him, I think the rest of the team is uh, is going to be much easier to slow down and stop. So, and the Bucks are a good defensive team too, so they should be able to just. Well, you would think they'd be able to stop him, but who knows? He's 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 on something these playoffs. It seems like. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's really lighting it up, and it's it's uh, nice to see from such a young guy. He's only two, three years into this into the uh, into his career and into the league. So for him to be. Uh, I mean, he's dominating. Like so, for him to be doing that this early in his career is uh, is great for him, but it's uh, it's not great for the rest of the teams for sure. Um, and then Western Conference Final, we have uh, the Suns and the Kawhi-less Clippers. Kawhi's still out. Uh, I don't think he's coming back. Just from just that's just my gut feeling. I don't think he, he's coming he, back. They've already said he's out for Game Five. So yeah, and it very well could be the last game for the Clips. Yep. As Phoenix is up 3-1. I could see him coming back maybe for game seven if they get there. Maybe. I think he kind of has to at that point. You know what I mean? They've made a game seven. Why not? The only problem is if he's not, if he's only like 40% healthy, then what good is he going to do? Right? He could also yeah. do do more damage and then th- uh, might ha- hurt next season. Yeah, and it could be permanent damage too. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, a, it, it's definitely interesting to see how he's going to, respond if he does but uh, as of right now phoenix is up 3-1 and one win away from going to the final one of their superstar players chris paul he moves up on the all-time playoff assists and playoff steals list he moves up to 12th on the assist list he now has 1008 assists he is only 1300 and 30 some odd behind number one magic. He's getting close to halfway. Maybe in a couple of years, he'd be at halfway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's, there's no way he's going to no. touch that assist level that, that is age and whatnot, but, uh, but it's good to see him moving up. I've always liked Chris Paul. He's, he's a pretty damn good player and he's, uh, he's good off the, off the court as well, you know, with all his other initiatives and charity work and all that stuff. So, and uh, so, like I said, he moved up on the steals list as well. He moved up to 16th with 249. And the number one spot on the steals list is LeBron Bitch James at 454. And there's no way that he's going to touch that one either. Just nope. Not, not enough time. In but his he's career. past halfway. But he's past halfway, yeah. So... Uh, so great to see Chris Paul playing well, uh, especially after his uh, belt with COVID. Uh, whether I can't remember what he, I think he actually did have it, um, but it was very quick to 
to get negative results because I believe pretty sure he only missed one game. Maybe it was two. Might have been the first two games of the series. But uh, either way, he bounced back and he was having some fun with his kids. Uh, there was lots of uh, TikToks out there of him playing with his kids and whatnot over the, the time he was off. So at least he was uh, seemed to be enjoying his time and didn't seem to be too too sick, which I guess is the reason why he was able to come back so quick. So, and then well, the he other... still had to get negative tests first and everything. Right? Like yeah, you think you got to return two in twenty four hours or something like that negative. So. Yeah, it. They needed him for sure, but for him to turn around and then light it up the way he is, it's it. Like you said, he might have not had many symptoms or a variant well, that wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of the ball with the clips, we have Paul George, PG-13. He has had eight consecutive games with 25 or more points in a single postseason, which is a Clippers record. And, I mean, somebody's got to step up without Kawhi, so, and this is the guy to do it, right? They brought him in to, uh, to play with Kawhi and to be his right-hand man. And when Kawhi is out or when that number one guy is out, your right-hand man needs to step up be the leader and take uh, control. And he has definitely done that. And actually uh, he had some, some words with a few players in the last game. He didn't like the way that they were uh, treating him, but uh, I I can't think that everybody would be too happy with uh, being thrown to the ground a few times and not actually throwing like a wrestling move, but you know how it goes in basketball. Yeah. It's just a little bit tougher than than soccer. You whiff a guy on the shoulder and he goes down like a ton of bricks, especially if his name's LeBron Bitch James. <laughs> but, uh, but then you've got another guy like Devin Booker who busts his nose in three spots. He goes back for a few stitches and a few fucking pieces of Kleenex up his nose and he's right back out there the same game and, uh, you know, keeps playing, comes back with a mask the next game, talks to uh, former Piston rip hamilton how do i how do i play with a mask on (laughs) rip gave him a little uh, advice says don't take it off at all once it's on leave it on and he said just view it as an extra piece of protection and that's what it is right so he did take it off by the way did he (laughs) yeah he told him not to take it off because once you put it back on it's like trying to get reacclimated again to it so Um, but it's just funny how you get these uh you know, I think they said like LeBron rolled around for like 80 seconds or something like that on the ground when he got his, his uh, eye poked in the, uh, I think it was the, the game against uh, the Warriors and he's laying on the ground and whatnot for 80 seconds. And then you get, you get Booker who, you know, busts his nose and he's up and back in, in the back getting fixed up and come back out on the court right quick. You know, it's just funny how there's uh, the two different styles, I guess, if you want to call it the, Bitch and not bitch. Bitch and not bitch. That's right. he should have put some safety glasses on him on the court there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Get those big goggles. Who was that? Goggles, was that, yeah. that uh, Stoudemire that did that? Uh, I think Horace Grant, I think, might have done that way back. Uh, <laughs> but, and then, yeah, I think uh, uh, not Damon, um, Amari. Amari yeah. Stoudemire wore yeah. some, some goggles, I think, so. So of the four teams, which could very well be only three teams after, I believe, tomorrow. Uh, so Phoenix, the LA Clippers, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Atlanta Hawks. The last championship ring for these teams are as follows. Milwaukee won in 1971. 
their last ring. Atlanta won in 1958. Phoenix and the Clippers have never won a championship. So no matter what, you're going to get a team from the West that has never won a championship, play a team from the East that hasn't won a championship in a long fucking time. That's good to see. I like that. I, I hate when you have fucking a team from Boston because they always seem to win or just some Lakers, of the, yeah, Golden the, State, Miami. Exactly. Yeah. It's nice to see someone else take a turn. And then all these, like, like really, there's only one super team left, and that's the Clippers, and Kawhi's out. Yeah. Like, these, a lot of these guys are all homegrown, or they grab them in trades and stuff like that. They were, it wasn't like players, like, asking to come there or anything like that besides the Clippers. Because I think that's how they got, uh, Paul George went there was because I think Kawhi asked the Clippers to get another player for him, and he asked for him. And yep. that's yep. why he went there instead of staying with the Raptors. Dick. Yeah, a bitch too. <laughs> you know, his ACL might be torn, but he's a bitch. <laughs> hey, if he stayed in Toronto, he would have had the right load management and he wouldn't be hurt right now. <laughs> he also might not be playing right now. <laughs> but he's not but playing now anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nah, we would have made the playoffs with Kawhi. Yeah, probably. Even if we just squeaked in. And that, and that and at that point too, we'd probably be playing them every game. We're like, oh fuck this load management. We need you to play. Yeah, we're well, fucking. It's, we suck. It's a different dynamic when you have a chance too. You don't trade away Norm. You trade. You bring in people. You know what though? I don't. I don't even mind that trade at all. Like at first, I wasn't one hundred percent sold on it, but the guys we got back were pretty solid and helped out quite a bit in, in the last you know month or so. Um, and I. I wouldn't have been upset with with that trade, even if they were in a hunt. And maybe I read at the, off the hop, I would have been upset. But after you see um, uh, Gary Trent. play, yeah, yeah, Gary Trent. Once you see him play, he was fucking good, man. So, yeah. so next up here in the NBA, we had the draft lottery. And I've got kind of a mock draft here. This isn't, these aren't my uh mock picks there's i believe they were from cbs uh but they are pretty well uh consistent across the board on who the uh the pro analysts think uh that these players are going to take or teams are going to take so start with the lottery here so the pistons the rockets and the orlando magic all had a 14 percent chance to land the number one pick Next up was the Cleveland Cavaliers and the OKC Thunder, which had 11.5% chance. The Golden State Warriors, which the pick actually came from the Minnesota Timberwolves, had a 9% chance to get that number one. And our Toronto Raptors had a 7.5% chance to get that number one. The rest of the teams that didn't make the playoffs were obviously under the 7.5% and uh, pretty much had no chance to get that number one. So it wasn't uh, too crazy. The top two, Detroit ended up getting the number one pick. Houston ended up getting the number two pick. And then it started getting not crazy, but a little different than uh, you would have expected with the percentages. So the Cleveland Cavaliers took home the third pick. The Toronto Raptors took home the number four pick, which is huge, moving up yeah. from 
seven if there wasn't a, a draft lottery. And with only a 7.5% chance of getting that number one pick, picking fourth is pretty fucking good. That's why you tank at the end of the season like we were doing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. For sure. And so the Orlando Magic, as I had said, they had a 14% chance of that number one pick. They ended up with number five, and that's got to piss off the Orlando Magic for sure. But, hey, it is what it is. And then OKC with the number six, and the number seven went to Golden State, again, from Minnesota. So I think across the board, the kind of unanimous number one decision or number one pick is going to be Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State. The number two pick out of USC will be Evan Mobley. Jalen Green from the G League at night will be the number three pick or potentially the three pick for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then the number four pick, and I really like the mock draft here because I really like this guy. Watching yeah, it was, the, the it was fun watching him. He's, he's decent. Yeah, so Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga played really fucking good. You may remember him as the guy that jumped up on the uh, scores table and pounded his chest like D-Wade did uh, when they when they won the uh, – it was a big game. I'm not sure if it was for a championship there with D-Wade in the heat. But, uh, but Jalen Suggs did it for Zaga, and he said he always wanted to do that. So he finally <laughs> was able to. And I'd love to see this guy in Toronto. He is um, – you know, the epitome of, of leadership, essentially, you know, definition of leadership. Uh, he's constantly looking to push the pace and he's at his best in transition. He's an unselfish passer, passer and he makes everybody around him that much better. He's a tough on-ball defender, quick hands, and he's got stealthy anticipation of uh, the off-ball moves. Basically, this guy is a true fr- franchise floor general as a uh, as a guard and I'm I'm excited and I hope that they pick this guy I really do hopefully nobody above uh, above 4 takes him but uh, I'm actually kind of excited for this draft and I don't usually get too excited about the NBA draft so uh, well that's cuz we suck and we're up <laughs> high in the draft <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the last time the raps had a number 4 do you know who they picked? Chris Bosh. CB4. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris Bosh. So that turned out pretty good. So hopefully he can be at least as good as Bosh. And the rest of them, well, who really cares? Once we get to the number four <laughs> pick, we're turning off the draft anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. When when is the draft? Uh, I'm not sure. It'll obviously be over. Uh, it'll obviously be after the the season uh, or after the playoffs here. So another July 29th. There you go. So a month, month away, basically. And hopefully we'll have Jalen Suggs in uh, red and black and gold and purple and whatever. Sometimes purple. (laughs) Whatever color they decide to wear that day. (laughs) That pretty much wraps it up for the NBA gents. And uh, just a minute or two, we'll get into our MVP. This week's Points and Penalties MVP is brought to you by MVP Brewing Company. Try the Game Changer. Our MVP segment is sponsored by MVP Brewing. 
MVP's kickback program is to give every child the chance to be the best MVP they can be. MVP Brewing wants to make all sports more accessible and affordable by donating 5% of all sales towards community kids sports organizations. It's a great organization. We're glad to have them as our sponsor. Cheers, boys. Cheers. So, our MVP for this week for episode 23 is Aaron Nola. So, Aaron Nola, this previous week, tied Tom Seaver's MLB record with 10 consecutive strikeouts in a ball game. I assume this is in one ball game. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 51 year old record. Yeah. Tie, that's, uh... It doesn't sound like a lot, but 10 strikeouts in a row. That's that's fucking tough, man. It's impressive. For sure. 3.1 innings of just striking guys out. That's all yeah. right. For sure. Yeah, boring for the defense out there, but I'm pretty sure they're happy either way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's been a superstar all the season. He has really turned himself into an ace, I think. Yeah, I've liked Nola for the last handful of years. Actually, in our fantasy league, I tried to get him uh, two years ago, but the current owner would not move him, and I was kind of pissed off. That, yeah. But this is why. <laughs> I guess he liked them too. Hell of a stretch there. Like you said, Pete, 10 strikeouts. Just getting 10 straight outs is tough enough in the pros, let alone 10 Ks. Yeah, for sure. Well, something for uh, Philly fans to be happy about, because I guarantee you they weren't happy about the fucking Sixers getting knocked out. So. <laughs> <laughs> At least be happy with this. And us in uh, in Ontario are a little bit happier with our team's record too. Why don't you let us know how the Blue Jays are doing? Yeah, well, they played a little better this week, the old Blue Jays, but they went uh, five and one this week. Brings them up to forty and thirty six for the season, which uh, I believe is third place, just above the Yanks, behind the old Tampa and Boston Red Sox. They're six games back of Tampa. And five challenge games. Boston. Mm, I'm pretty sure it's Tampa. I'm pretty sure it's it's Boston. I looked at it earlier today. Oh, it is Boston. When I looked earlier, when I wrote this up, it was fucking Tampa. <laughs> See, I looked. I had a quick look at it right before the before we got on here. Mm-hmm. That's what you get for being proactive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Procrastinate, bud. So anyway, they're still shit compared to those two teams. Uh, who are the cream of the crop in the AL East and they'll likely just those two will be facing off for the AL East uh, pennant if you will so they were 2-0 versus Miami 3-1 and versus Baltimore played uh, pretty well all week except for Friday night where Alec Manoa had a pretty good start and he gave up a couple home runs back to back and then According to the MLB, he intentionally threw a ball at Michael Franco. Uh, in my opinion, he did not actually throw the ball right, like directly into. This was last week. This was last week. You said you said on Friday. Uh, it was yeah. Sorry, it was last Friday. Yeah. it was last Friday. Yeah, MLB. Sorry, was going to suspend him for five games for throwing at Franco. Uh, Manoa has since appealed that, and so he pitched this Friday. And this Friday was where they shit the bed, the bullpen, yet again. He had a great game. He did have a yeah. good game. Uh, he played six innings, four hits, one run, six Ks, and two walks, so not horrible. 
for Manoa, uh, especially with he's, you know, he's only at, I don't know. Five starts, maybe. Uh, I don't even think it's that. I think he's got like 60 pro innings, period. And that's including AAA. <laughs> yeah, it's, so. uh, it's pretty impressive how he has been in, like, we discussed it before about bringing him up. And we're desperate at pitching anyways right now. So him being a superstar that he is right now, which is awesome. I also want to say I agree with you. I don't think he meant to throw it at Franco at all. Mm-hmm. I think he, he just – his uh, the sticky <laughs> foreign substance he didn't have at at that point. But well, that, and uh, he <laughs> – evidently after, after having two home runs hit against you, he clearly wasn't on the ball. He clearly wasn't pitching where he wanted to pitch. He was missing spots, and that's why guys hit two home runs. So it makes sense that he missed again you know, miss his spot. Maybe it slipped a little, whatever, and it hit Franco. So hopefully the MLB will see the same way we see it and won't uh, end up suspending him, but we will find out uh, shortly as the time frame for the MLB to uh, make their decision is uh, coming to an end quickly. So they have to, I believe it's 10 days from the time the appeal is uh, put forth, then they have to come up with uh, their ruling, I guess. So, Yes, so he's also an animated character too. So they think that he got the motion, he got the motions there, and that's why he threw it at him. I think they're kind of go after, but can't really go after people that way. I don't think. No, and you could see like he was very animated when the umpy was throwing him out, and he's like, "What did I do? What did I do?" Like the ball slipped, and he was very animated. And he was kind of yelling at the umpire, but not like yelling at him like you're an idiot you know, you got to get some new glasses type thing. It was, it was like, what the fuck did I do? It just slipped. Like, why are you throwing me out for an accidental, you know, mistake type thing? So who knows what'll happen there? He did, like I said, he did pitch. So uh, it's not like the NHL where, where you don't get to play if you're appealing. They need new representation there in the NHL. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. They get underpaid like crazy. And when they appeal, they still have to sit out. <laughs> I don't think they're underpaid. They're paid a portion of the salary cap or um, like a portion of the earnings. They're underpaid compared to the rest. I'm, of the yeah, that's what I'm well, talking about. But that's not because of their union. That's because the league doesn't make as much as the other leagues. Fair enough. You want to make more? Throw the league. Fair still enough. Sh- shitty NHLPA. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me, with, with Manoa, if he ends up still being suspended, he's only going to miss one start. It'll be, it'll be five games, but we, as we know, starters only pitch once every five days. So uh, there won't be an issue there uh, with missing more than more than one start. Shouldn't be anyway, unless they randomly come up with a larger suspension, which I've never heard of after uh, they've already laid down one. So, but uh, so hopefully yeah, either way, he's only going to miss one start. We obviously hope he doesn't miss a start to uh, keep our rotation intact here, which has been glued together with a bunch of random pieces anyway. So, But in that rotation, our quote-unquote number one, our Korean-born pitcher, Mr. Ryu, he has moved into second place all-time by a Korean-born pitcher in the, in the MLB in strikeouts. So he now has 809 strikeouts in 897 innings. The leader in this uh, Korean-born pitcher in the pros is Chan-ho Park, and he's way ahead of Ryu still. He's got 1,715 Ks in 1,993 innings. 
It's a long way to go for Ryu to uh, to top that. Not sure if he can do it with his age, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be able to catch him. Probably not. But that's still a great record to hold uh, or to to be part of anyway for himself. And uh, great to see that we're getting more and more influence uh, from from the far west in uh, in Korean and uh, Japanese ball players and so on and so forth, as opposed to just the old. Americans and the Dominicans, because that's pretty much predominantly what the league is, uh, has been made up of for a lot of years. And, uh, you know, ever since Ichiro, really, the tide has kind of turned and there's been a lot of guys coming across the pond to play. And, uh, and it just shows that a lot of them are, are really good players. And, and Ryu is one of those guys and happy to have him on the team. was pretty fucking excited when, uh, when I heard about the signing. Yeah, I would even go further than that with Hideki Matsui. Was Matsui before Ichiro? I'm pretty sure Ichiro was before uh, Matsui. Throw up a challenge. <laughs> I'll, I'll challenge you. I think I think Ichiro was before uh, Matsui. All right, I'll look into it. But I don't know for 100%. <laughs> Just try and get my fucking point back for a half a fucking game. <laughs> fucking Tampa. They probably they lost today. That was the problem. The yeah, Fox. well, I... I... <laughs> <laughs> and I think Boston won too. Yeah, yeah, likely. So anyway, uh, so while Jesse's looking that up, my boy George Springer is back. Uh, we had talked last week where we kind of figured he'd be back, but we had also said that we would expect him to be a DH for a large portion of the next couple of weeks. That is not the case with Charlie Montoya. He does not give a fuck about that. He said he wanted Springer in the outfield when he came back, and that's right where he plunked him. He didn't have a great start offensively, but when he finally did hit, his first one off of the IL was an old Springer Dinger. Springer Dinger. Uh, he reached down. It was a low and outside pitch. He reached down and he popped it out center field. It was a pretty nice hit. I'm excited to see this guy playing. I mean, defensively, he is pretty fucking solid. I don't think there's any issues there until he uh, – potentially gets hurt again but hopefully that doesn't happen either but uh really nice to see him hopefully he can fulfill the contract let's put it that way josh you're right yeah. 20 2021 april 2nd 2021 or 2001 2001 <laughs> yeah 2001 <laughs> and then matsui was 2003 in march so yeah you're right nice even <laughs> For my fantasy team, it's great because I'm going to start Springer next week because my other center fielder just got fucking hurt. So it kind of works out good. Springer coming back here and uh, doesn't mean fucking shit for my fantasy team because I can put my best team forward. I still fucking lose every week. So it doesn't matter. And Springer might get hurt too. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? So, but like I said, glad to see Springer back. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's not, not hitting the ball great as of yet, but that uh, that first home run, is uh, definitely a, a sign of good things to come. And I can't wait until he gets back into the, uh, sorry for the pun, but back into the swing of things. <laughs> he uh, it, was a, it was a great hit too, because it was dead center field too, when he, yeah. he smoked it. So yeah. that's good to see that he still has that power to get out there, even though the Buffalo Park is pretty small. Yeah, it's for sure shallow. But... Yeah, but still, you got to have the ton of power to take a pitch like that and get it to go to the yard oh yeah for probably, sure. only, probably only one other guy on the team that can make that 
make a home run out of that pitch. He did it. He he ended up doing it the same game. It's right to the center field too. You must be talking about Mr. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yep. You got it. So I think there's a couple guys that could do that on the team, but going into Vlad here, he is still fucking amazing. He has hit his 26 home run to continue to lead, lead the league. He was quite a few ahead of, of Tatis and then Tatis decided to have a game and hit three home runs in four innings. A bit of a hat trick. A little hat trick. Yeah. A bit. yeah. And that brought Tatis back up to 25 home runs Pete, the guy you keep talking about for MVP, or the only guy that can can challenge Vlad here is the only Shohei. competition. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely a one one two horse. You're right, Jess. Hundred percent. There's only two guys in this in the AL that are even close to being an MVP, and it's it's Vlad and Shohei for sure. So hopefully Vlad can keep knocking them out. I didn't want to see home runs this week from Vlad as I was against him in fantasy, but it is <laughs> what it is. You got to take the good with the bad, right? So. <laughs> But hopefully he keeps tearing it up. Oh, he will. I mean, I I can't argue with her. Just <laughs> I think he's going to. He's still been hot, hot, hot. His average has been hot. Is the number of hits, everything is just good, good, good. And and he's still playing good, uh, good defense. So that there's no chance that he's going to be moved from from one B at this point, except for the odd day off. And even those day offs, he might still be hitting. Well, especially with the how the offense is now and Springer coming back, like there's so many guys that can hit home runs in that lineup, right? Even after him, so mm-hmm. they can't even like intentionally walk him because the next guy might be able to do it for sure. Uh, so sticking with the uh, the Vladimir's, the Guerreros, uh, junior and senior, had both hit 50 home runs within 258 career games. Now, if this is anything to project to what junior is going to be like if junior ends up with a senior career that'll be amazing and it'll be amazing for jays fans and hopefully that would bring a title to the city yeah then you could work on their pitching but well definitely (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah they they have the offense to compete with anyone for sure absolutely they're like top three in most major categories offensively yeah i think this is just a really cool stat that he on the exact same amount of games that it took his dad. Yeah. Both got to 50 home runs. Yeah. Might be the coolest stat I've heard all year. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> I have to check my list. Check my notebook. Check, check the hot takes from episode six. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So moving on from the Blue Jays, but sticking with the baseball pros. MLB's number one prospect Wander Franco, just so you guys know, who's not an outfielder, he's a shortstop. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yep. I learned that one the fucking hard way. <laughs> uh, he was called up to the bigs, and his first big league hit was a three-run home run. And, of course, you know, social media was going off the hook saying that, you know, the hype is real, and this guy is going to be a superstar. And he very well could be. He hasn't been a superstar for good reason coming up uh, as this prospect he's had six at bats only the two hits one being that home run yeah just have the four rbis again three from that home run but uh, he's getting on base you know he's got four walks five strikeouts you expect from a, from a young guy who's just come up and uh, he's got a stolen base he's not well that doesn't make any sense What's six that? at bat six at bats two hits 
a walk and five uh, Ks. Yeah, you're right. And I took that right from MLB.com. That doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> that's that's strange. But yeah. if, he, if he has been doing five Ks, like he is not known to strike out. He's he, he rarely strikes out, which is shocking to know that he's he's had five Ks already. I mean, but he's also coming from AAA to the pros. Yeah. Right. So there. And he's like 20 years adjustment. old or some shit like that. So he's he's super young. And but I'm sure that those strikeout rate will turn around real quick. I think there was a stat out there that I remember reading. He had more multi-hit games and strikeouts in the minor leagues. Really? Which is nuts. That is nuts. That's why I'm so shocked to see that that 5K. But I'm sure he's gonna be. It's gonna he's gonna turn around no problem. It's it it's been a rough year for prospects especially for hitters anywhere coming up from the minors. So it's not shocking, but he is the number one prospect and we did expect bigger things from him. Like it was huge with that three run shot, but he's, he, he'll turn around. I'm sure. Hmm. Yeah. And now I'm looking at this to just cause I wanted to recap and he's got way more than six at bats. This is showing he's got 22 now. So I'm not sure where the fuck I got that six at bats and just, just ignore all those stats <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know what the fuck is going on. So now it's showing he's got 22 at bats. He's got a one, three, six average, one home run, four RBI and, and one stolen base. Now it's not showing his other. Yeah. Cause that'd be interesting. Cause that whole tandage I had on strikeouts, like was that, did he actually strike out five times? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he has. He has struck out five. Okay, times. so that that's that's right. But still, it was the game. It, only the games was wrong. I apparently I looked at maybe you put six games instead of six games instead of at yeah. bats. Or I said six at bats, but it was six games. So twenty two at bats was the the proper. And he now because of today's game, he has three hits. Well, there you go. Turn. There's a multi hit game. But didn't fucking help Tampa win today, which fucked me on a challenge. Thanks a lot, Wander. <laughs> put put all the blame on the brand new prospect, but not, not the team that went to the World Series yes. last year. That's right, that's right. <laughs> well, it clearly wouldn't be their fault. <laughs> okay, so next up, uh, we're gonna get back into some pitching. Mr. Yu Darvish is the first pitcher in MLB history to record 1,500 strikeouts in less than 200 games. That's quite the uh, quite the stat there. Quite the stat. That's a lot of strikeouts. I see. I don't know how that averages out per game. It's because usually you do it like it strikeout per nine innings. But what does he average then for that? Well, if he's fifteen hundred strikeouts and call it two hundred like games, seven and a half. That's seven and a half yeah. per game. game. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot then. There's usually usually they're they're higher than nine per inning. Per game, yeah. per nine innings, but yeah. they that that's how they they do it, right? Uh, splits. So he's actually 197, 197 games is what he's actually played. So it's only going to be about eight. It's, it doesn't change much. Seven point six. Yeah. Hey, either way, whether the uh, the splits work out, and you know, it doesn't seem like he's uh, you know that superstar, but he he really has been since he's come into the league. Oh, he. He's been definitely a superstar for sure. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to measure this out because I've never heard of that stat before. Yeah, he definitely had a, a down couple years there in Chicago, but since been traded to or, or signed 
to San Diego. Uh, he's been he's been pretty tough this year, and, and uh, evidently he's throwing lots of strikes. So his his over his nine year career in the MLB, it's eleven point one per nine innings, which is good, which is really good. So there you go. Yeah, right. Because obviously he's not pitching nine innings a game. Right. But that's a hell of a stat, and to be the first pitcher to do to get fifteen hundred and less than two hundred is uh, is quite the feat. Yeah. Uh, a couple more things here with pitchers. We had another no hitter. This time it was a combined no hitter by the Chicago Cubs. Zach Davies, Ryan Tapera, XJ, Andrew Chafin, and Craig Kimbrell all threw no hitters or their portion of a no hitter for the game, and the uh, the Cubbies obviously won that that game i believe is a four nothing game and before we uh started uh recording here one of you guys had mentioned that it's awfully odd for a pitcher that is being that is throwing a no hitter to be yanked yeah that was me (laughs) so then i think jess you had said that it must have been because his pitch count was getting high and so we did look into it and he had 94 pitches and then he was yanked so not terribly high but evidently uh, coach there, David Ross, thought that he was tiring and uh, it was time to move on to uh, to somebody else to try and keep that no-no intact. And it was the right move because it worked. Right. Like he probably could have gone on another inning or so, but clearly the, the coach knew exactly what he was doing. Well, yeah. Once, like if his, I guess if his pitch count is high enough that he's not going to be able to do the full game, then there's no point in just trying to keep him in for longer. Because if, if he's not going to pitch the full game, no, no, then you might as well pull him when you think he's starting to slow down a bit. Right. And that that's why he pro- probably yanked him was because he was slowing down. Maybe he was throwing a couple the, – the miles per hour were down or he was throwing a lot of balls at that point. And it was just like he finished, got his quality start, and got him out of there. Yeah, exactly. So this combined no-no was the seventh no-hitter of 2021 MLB season. We have talked about all these guys, Corey Kluber, Rodon, Joe Musgrove, uh, your boy, John Means. Yeah, yeah, John Means business. That's right, John Means business. <laughs> uh, Wade Miley, Turnbull, and now the Cubs. So seventh no-hitter this year, which is the most no-hitters in any one MLB season all time. And we're not halfway yet. We're not halfway we have talked about this in the past and we are pretty much all on the same page that it, it has to do with this ball, the spin rate, the, the velocity being up because of the ball uh, being a little lighter and so on and so forth. All the spider tack that was used at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now they'll all drop off, right? There'll be no more for the rest of the year now. <laughs> uh, it, it's just, it's cool to see. Like, it seems like every week we're talking about another baseball record that's going down. Somebody else is beating something, whether it be a, a franchise record or a full league record, or maybe it's just a, a league, you know, AL or NL record, what have you. But uh, it is, it's, it's a crazy time here in baseball to see all these records going down and I don't mind it at all. I don't mind it at all. I actually enjoy watching no hitters a bunch. Cause like you're cheering them on to do it and everything like that. So I kind of do like the no hitter. But at the same time, because they had changed the ball, because I don't know why they were sick of seeing offense for some reason, or they were just trying to help out the pitchers a bit. But I do enjoy watching that. I saw uh, Herman Marquez, another one of my fantasy pitchers. He had a perfect game going this week at one point. I think it was in the sixth inning. 
and stupid my other player, but he was on the bench, uh, Taylor Trammell, hit a home run off of him. <laughs> but uh, he had a perfect game going then too. So he's he's been yeah he has been so inconsistent. But at the same time, that'd be pretty impressive to have a perfect game as well with all these no hitters that are happening. A hundred percent. So we've talked about Madison Bumgarner. He had a no-no in seven innings, but I think we've all, and even the MLB has said that's not classified as a no-hitter because it didn't go the full nine innings. So although you could say you maybe had seven and a half no-hitters this year, maybe even eight, depending on how generous you are, but it's technically seven. This year might have an asterisk with the <laughs> being the top. The, the, like on the list, they'll, they'll have the asterisks on there. For this. Could be, could be. And last thing here for the MLB, sticking with the pitchers, uh, last week and even the previous week, we had talked about the foreign substances for pitchers. So now it is fully in effect. And we have the umpires checking the pitchers in between innings consistently. I'm not sure if they've checked other position players that may potentially have a, a sticky substance somewhere on their person and then hawk the ball back to the pitcher to give them a little bit of extra sticky sticky. I'm not sure if that's happened yet. I don't think so, but we have had our first pitcher ejected. He was ejected today on Sunday. It was Hector Santiago and he was ejected after the alms found something on his glove during a routine foreign substance check between innings I mean, this had to happen eventually, right? You figure that these guys would be smart enough to just say, fuck it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to use the spider tack or whatever. But evidently, uh, some guys said, oh, I can I can beat the system. Hector could not. Hector could not. So is that an automatic suspension now, too? That I'm not sure. I'm not sure because when when they had kind of released the – the ruling on this they just said that they were going to be checking and then it would be enforced but they didn't really say if it was going to be a suspension or what have you it almost should be i thought they did i thought we were talking about it and I could well, my, what but might I, happen is that like they checked and they found some sort of substance on his glove right obviously they did so that's why they ejected him but then they're gonna grab maybe his glove and then maybe check what substance is on it. And Take it, it to is, the lab. Yeah, exactly. And and see see what if it is a sticky substance that they probably have like a list of everything that they they don't allow, and if it matches up with anything like that. I think it'd be the other way around. It would be substances that they they do allow, and everything else is not. Because what what substance do they allow? Rosin. That's it. The rosin. Yeah. So and why would you have it on your glove when you have it right behind the pitcher's mound? Well, and rosin's fucking white, so it'd be pretty noticeable if it was on your glove. So my guess is that it was something to the effect of pine tar or a spider tack type thing. Right. So the, so the suspension probably might come out later. I think, I think the umps have the right of just, if they find anything on your glove that isn't like, that's some sort of substance, they, they can just chuck you. Mm-hmm. But maybe i'm wrong but i thought we talked i thought we knew what the suspension was it was like 10 games or something yeah it was 10 games for sure i'm trying but to bring I, up uh but the mlb program but i can't do it <laughs> but the mlb has to suspend them right the ums can't suspend them the mlb has to right and it happened today so you very well could see tomorrow the punishment handed down for sure right 
And we've got a couple other things with the foreign substances and the checking of them, but we're going to get to that a little later in our penalty boxes. So for now, let's just shift on to the NFL. Yeah, so the Steelers sign a Pro Bowl trade Turner from LA Chargers after releasing David DeCastro. Now, DeCastro had what they have Pittsburgh has classified as a non-football injury. So it could be that he hurt himself not working out in any of the Pittsburgh facilities or anything like that. So he might not get paid kind of thing, thing with Juwan James went through, which we talked about a few weeks ago or so. So that kind of sucks for him. And he's still a pretty good player. He's just been a little bit injury prone lately. But yeah, so the signing potentially gives the Steelers a new starting guard after his departure. Castro spent nine seasons with Pittsburgh and he was a former first round pick that has underwent a few surgeries and he's going to continue doing more on his ankle. I'm told this is his third surgery on his ankle, mm-hmm. which if you know, offensive linemen, you cannot have injuries in the lower half because you got, you're a bigger boy. So you put a lot more weight on that, especially on your ankle and you need to be able to move sideways, not as much as like a tackle does, like a guard is usually just pushing forward or, or just pushing out to the outside. So it's not as bad, but there's still a lot of pressure that's going to be on that, that ankle and for his weight and people going at him. When asked by the press, if he still wants to play to Castro said, got to see how the surgery goes, but I have no problem calling it a day and moving on with my life. So he's ready to hang them up at 31. Maybe this is more of a serious injury than he had thought. Cause I think he's a pretty, he loves playing football and he's a very good player and I could see him still getting signed, but if he needs surgery, I think he's got, he might need, he might not be back for the season. He was in his final year of his contract and he had a cap hit of 14.2 million this year, releasing him saves about 8.75 million for the Steelers. But because of the restructures, Peter, you know, with your Titans restructuring guys, they still have dead money, even though it was the last year of his contract. And he's got 5.5 million in dead money. Another big news, which I thought was pretty funny, was Lamar Jackson's mother is negotiating a contract with the Ravens. Now, Lamar Jackson's the quarterback in 2019, MVP of the NFL. And he's got his mother trying to get his contract. Yeah, that's definitely uh, different. The guy makes a ton of money. Why? I don't know why you wouldn't pay a proper agent. Now, maybe his mother has that education, but that I don't know. Maybe he makes so much money, he just doesn't give a fuck. And mama said, hey, can I negotiate your contract? And he said, yeah, what the fuck? You might cost me five, ten million, but... <laughs> I think it's more or less uh trust thing. He only trusts his mother. Yeah, maybe. That's fair. A lot of agents do fight for you, and they know your worth because they know the business, and that's why they're, they're there, is to do that for you. Mm-hmm. But... They also take a percentage, and maybe Mama's trying to buy her own house without Jackson's money. <laughs> maybe, but she helped get uh, facilitate his first round contract with the Ravens when he was drafted by them late in the first round, which was on par with everything for a rookie contract. But I guess it wasn't that difficult. I wouldn't think rookie contracts are pretty standard for the most part, and you only see a few guys get super upset. Where I think it was Joey Bosa. I remember it took him forever to sign him, the Chargers to a rookie contract and he was like I think he was like the second overall pick or something like that and he wanted a lot more money or something and he got it so but usually you don't hear about 
rookies like holding out for contracts and stuff like that because they still got to produce. They're having to take a snap in the NFL. They still got to, they're given a contract which they have to play through. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Lamar has told his mom to show him the money. <laughs> <laughs> show me the money. Well, that's the thing is like he's going to be roughly around 42 to 43 million. So she's got to get him that per year. Because mm-hmm. I think Dak was 40 million a year. And obviously he has to make more than Dak. Because he's better than Dak. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to wait like 10 years down the road and find out. <laughs> Dak doesn't have an MVP in his corner like Lamar does. Not yet. <laughs> okay, but. <laughs> I think you're dreaming on that one. But real, uh, really good news in the NFL. Carl Nassib comes out as the first active gay player. He had an Insta post where he said, What up, people? I'm at my house here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I just wanted to take a moment to say that I am gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get to get this off my chest. I really have the best life. I've got the best family, friends, and a job a guy could ask for. I'm a pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm really not doing this for attention. I just think that representation and visibility are so important. I actually hope one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just unnecessary or not necessary. But until then, I'm going to do my best and be part of cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate, and I'm going to start donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project. And the Trevor Project provides crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to the LGBTQ plus community. So this is pretty big news, but I think like Yosh said earlier, well, not in the show, but before the podcast, this shouldn't be big news. No, it shouldn't. I mean, it's great that he's comfortable enough to come out, and I'm not putting him down for by any means in that stretch, but it should be commonplace that if, if a football player, baseball player, any, any, anybody doesn't have to be a sports figure. doesn't have to be any, it could be a, just a regular old Joe. When you and you decide that it's time to come out, everybody should just be happy for you. And it, but it shouldn't be big news anymore because it should be commonplace and everybody should just accept it and, and roll as, as it is. And, you know, I, Definitely, you know, proud of this guy for, as are many, many players. He had tons and tons of uh, tweets and DMs and whatnot saying that the other players were proud of him and, and so on and so forth. But I hope one day, just like he says, that he hopes it's unnecessary, that, you know, the whole coming out process is unnecessary. And I second that, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And, like, it takes a lot of courage to come out when you're a pro athlete, at least still. Like you're saying, hopefully it won't sometime in the future, but it's, we're still in a place where like, he's the first one, the very first openly gay player mm. in the NFL. And he's definitely not the first gay player in the NFL. hundred percent. No, there was Michael Sam who was drafted by the Rams. I think it was 2014. And he was like a late, late seventh round pick, but he was a good player. He was an actually good player. And I actually saw him in the preseason games and he was a he had a couple sacks and everything like that, but he didn't make the cut. I think he went on to Dallas's practice squad, but I don't believe he ever uh, made a start or not even a start, just made an active game day roster or even on the fifty three man roster. Yeah, 
But even before that, I think Peter's saying that there there have been likely gay players in the NFL or in other other leagues, and they just haven't come For out. Sure. But there's there has to be some gay players. For sure. Absolutely. Like they were saying about uh, Aaron Hernandez might have been gay. And he, that was what he was struggling with. He has a lot of mental issues and stuff like that. And it could have been from CTE. And that's why he had the, what he did with those murders and everything like that was because I think someone found out he may have been gay or, or, or whatever. But there was another player recently, Ryan Can- Callahan, I believe, or, or o- Callahan from the Patriots. He was an offensive lineman. And he was, I watched the, documentary of the Hernandez case or whatever it was. And he said that he didn't come out until after he had retired, but everyone was asking him why he doesn't have a girl around him and everything like that. And he said, he's like, well, I'm overweight. And so he would actually like overeat and then he would show up to camp and be overweight and not in, in shape and stuff like that. So the coaches would give him a lot of shit and everything like that. So yeah, there's definitely been gay players well before Michael Sam and, and Carl Nazib, uh, Nazib, but, I even saw something about Warren Moon. He, I guess, played with people that he knew that was gay, that were gay. Yeah, I remember saying that he. I don't. He didn't say who it was, but no, no, no. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He he wouldn't ruin that for them. But he had mentioned that there was a few players with this coming out. The next two days after after he had had posted this Insta post, Carl's jersey was the number one seller on NFL.com or NFLshop.com for the next two days. So clearly this is a big, big deal. And people are, you know, wanting to support him. And and if that means wearing his jersey, then so be it, right? And so so that's uh that's great. It's a good way for the regular Joe to support these athletes by saying, Hey, I'm a, I'm gonna wear your jersey. Because we all know we wear jerseys of guys that we like players that we like they you know there's something about them whether it be on ice court field or off on ice court field whatever that we like about that player and so there's a reason so so a lot of people are, are obviously buying up these jerseys to support him that way and i think that's great too uh, it's, it's just it's great that we're slowly slowly starting to come around yeah but there is change yeah at least there's some change we're finally starting to get some change and it needs to happen because guaranteed players are still afraid of course that coming out is going to negatively impact their career their locker room relationships they're going to get public blowback whatever and this is a good first step maybe not first step but a good step in getting to a place where that's not the case so it's good stuff 100 percent Right. And football's really driven is Christian driven, right? Like they, they always lock hands or whatever and make a prayer there. Usually at halftime or before the game, Mr. Tim Tebow, <laughs> Tebowing. Yeah. But, uh, and like Peter said, like the, the main thing was ruining lo- locker rooms, I think, because people have such, they involve, the church and all their decisions and stuff like that. And this coming out, it's, it's awesome that it is the Raiders too, because I think Al Davis was one of the guys that had a lot of African-American guys on his team way back when he was one of the first owners to have that on his team. And now it's like, I think it's like 70% of the NFL is African-Americans. So yeah, like one day it'll get to this point where it it's meaningless. Not meaningless, just not big big news. 
Right. It, sorry, not saying it's meaningless, like you said. Like it, yeah. it, it, it shouldn't bring this um, this attention and everything like that. And it's it's what Carl said. He wants re- representation and visibility, and and he wants kids to continue playing football, even if they think they're gay or bi or whatever, to actually go out and play football and not be crucified for it. And then some more good news: Eli Manning officially rejoins the Giants in the new front office role. Also, his number 10 jersey will be retired this season. It's looking like they will retire this jersey on September 26th when the Giants host the Shitty Falcons. (laughs) I really wish Kev was here for that. For sure. (laughs) Uh, He will be the 43rd inductee to the club's ring of honor. You know, they they really should have planned that out a little better where they, they hoist his jersey up to the rafters when they play new england that would have been the best just a little bit just another stick you know just another jab yeah exactly this is great uh you know there was lots of talk you know near the end of of uh, eli's career and even even during the uh the seasons against against the patriots when they were winning super bowls is eli eli elite and even to this day, I don't know if I could completely call him elite, but he was a very, very, very good quarterback, especially, I mean, obviously for the Giants. And the, he was a, he was the face of the Giants franchise for a lot of years. He won big games. That's all that mattered. Yep, 100%. 100%. So I saw an interview with Eli. And so they're going back and forth, just asking normal questions and whatnot. And all of a sudden, Eli comes out and he's like, okay, he's like, I got a joke for you. And he goes, he says to the guy interviewing him, he says, tell me, what is Tom Brady's favorite wine? Do you guys know what it is? I do not know. I I can't beat the Giants! (laughs) He can't beat the Giants. That was his wine. It's it's a wine, not a wine. Not wine, he's whining. I get it. (laughs) So if Kev was here, he'd be fucking rolling around on the floor laughing because he would have got that dad joke, no problem. Peter must be an age thing. We're just not at that at that age yet. <laughs> I thought it was pretty damn funny when I, when I heard it. So, well, like just talking about Tom Brady and everything like that. Like I remember, I think he was talking to Michael Strahan during the the draftathon this year, and he was saying he would trade two rings, two of his rings, for that eighteen and zero season. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah. He would. He was like, "Yeah, no, I wanted that. I wanted to to win every the, every game." So, and he's got the he's got the rings to spare. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, <do that>? yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, he's not. He's only giving up one because he's going to get one in the eighteen win season, right? So, <laughs> yeah, like big whoop. Mm-hmm. He has another shot at this one too this year. So, whatever. All right, heading into the other stuff. Peter, do you want to take us through it? Yeah, no problem. So we're starting off with the Euro. Euro is in full effect right now. Euro 2020, but in 2021. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Can I, do, we, do any of us know why that is? That doesn't make any sense to me. COVID-19, yeah. brother. Yeah, what are you talking no. about? Like, how does that was not make sense? Be, well, I don't know. Was it supposed to be last year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. They do it on evens. <laughs> All right, that's all you have to say. Settle down. I thought that was obvious. <laughs> anyway, 
So into the games that have happened so far in the round of 16 in our knockout stage. The, so Denmark absolutely crushed Wales 4 to nothing. Sucks for anyone who took Wales to win that game. <laughs> like, you guys are dumb. Like me. <laughs> yeah, I might have done that. Italy beat Austria 2-1. to one. Not unexpected there, but it did. Uh, that game was closer than... Yeah, it should not have been that close. They probably would have played. <laughs> I think they didn't score the first goal until uh, extra time. So they were a little bit worried, uh, I'm sure, Italian fans, but... Could tell in the Toronto neighborhood that I'm in when they won is you could hear people with their megaphones out on their balconies <laughs> yell, yelling in Italian. That's funny. I was like, oh, Italy won. Okay. The Czech Republic beat the Netherlands in a big upset, which completely busted my bracket. I don't know about you guys. Probably yours too. Yeah, no, it screwed me over too. And I was going to, I had Netherlands winning this and going to the next round against Denmark. And I was almost going to take Denmark too. And then I switched right back to. The Netherlands, so I fucked up. Which typically isn't a bad pick. Like the Dutch are pretty fucking good all the time, but (laughs) should be money in the bank. Right. I I wanted to just ride this emotional wave that Denmark's on with losing their star player in Ericsson, but damn it, I should have done it. (laughs) Portugal loses uh, one nothing to Belgium. Which I don't think is a huge upset. Josh, you were saying before you think that was an upset. I don't think it's. Yeah, yeah I didn't think it was that. I picked them to win. I thought I thought Portugal. It's they're an older team now, yeah. especially with Ronaldo and everything like that. Like he's still a superstar player. Like I think before the round of sixteen, he was leading in goals scored. Yeah, he and, was and for the for the tournament. And so. they they are the reigning Euro winners, I believe, as well. But yeah. They're, uh, they got beat by Belgium, who's not a bad team by any stretch. There's definitely no no car horns going off in Cambridge today, boys. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> quiet, quiet city in Cambridge. Yeah, everyone's sad. All the all the Borgenchis are sad. So you can check out Instagram at Points Penalties and see each of our four brackets of our selections for uh, who we think is winning the Euro, which are all now broken because of the Netherlands. But there's other good picks still in there, I'm sure. Who do you guys have for winning it all? France. Oh, I got those guys too. Yeah, so the three of you guys have France as the winners, Kevin, Jesse, and Peter, and I took Spain uh, as my winner to beat France in the quarters. Nope. Yep. Nope. You need that to happen just so – just so that we could just all fall apart 100%, there. 100%. <laughs> and just for fun, of course, we're playing for points and penalties points. So we're going to get one one point for every correct pick to advance to the next round and total them all up. And whoever has the most correct points will get one point, one points and penalty point, if you can follow all that. <laughs> a lot of points. <laughs> Basically, whoever picks the most winners of independent games gets a point and if you are able to pick the winner of the entire tournament you get three points so me and jesse and kevin are going to each get three points and yep. josh is going to fall <laughs> further behind <laughs> <laughs> not a chance hey i won't be falling behind kevin let's That's be real <laughs> kevin will be narrowing that gap <laughs> Uh, and that's it for the Euro 2020 in 2021. And that brings us into Wimbledon, which starts on Monday, playing on the grass. So the men's favorites 
are the Joker, Novak Djokovic. And following him in order of favorites is Medvedev. Josh, help me. What is Simonis? Uh, better and better. <laughs> if you say it really fast, nobody will know if you <laughs> fucked it up or not, right? <laughs> Can I get a repeat on that? <laughs> so uh, if I had to pick, I think I'm going Joker all day. Yep. I'm actually gonna take Medvedev here just just to be different. Yeah, just, and uh yeah, just for fun. He's he's a pretty good player. He's a he's a pretty good See, I've player. never even heard of him, so but I don't watch tennis, so yeah. that's why I'm just gonna stick with the Joker. Yeah. You watch women's tennis blindfolded, right? Well, yeah. Not well, you know, not, some of them are actually pretty 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 tight so it's, you don't want to watch it <laughs> blindfolded Josh, Josh, i was just, just talking about from the from this the screaming sound, yeah so. oh I, I know where you're going with that but so in the women's we've got serena favorite and Obviously. then behind her are barty sabalenka kivitova and miguruza i'm going upset here i'm gonna take a bit of a but it'd probably be Serena. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to take the try and true Serena. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to go Serena too, just for, you know what? I'm going to go Barty, even though I've never heard of this person, just for fun. She seems like a winner. How boy, Pete. Way to step outside the box. Yeah, why not? Someone that you've, ne- you've never even heard That's of. That's <laughs> right. We're not playing for points. It's no big deal. Uh, so that rolls us into our penalty boxes. So, Josh, who is in your penalty box? Okay. So, we don't talk about cycling a whole lot on this podcast, but I'm going to in my penalty box. So during the first stage of the Tour de France, some fan is trying to get on TV. He's got a big cardboard sign and steps out and basically steps out right onto the road right before a big pile of cyclists come <laughs> up behind the her. entire group. She, the entire yeah. group. So she knows essentially what she's doing maybe she wasn't a, wasn't attempting to appease anyone yeah but what happened is she stepped out and once you hit one cyclist in a group you hit about 50 cyclists in a group and it was a big clusterfuck a bunch of riders went down obviously once like i said once one falls the next one hits him and the next one hits him and so on and so forth yeah it's definitely a domino effect 100 percent and so she knocked a bunch of, of riders uh, out of contention. Now, the it is only the first stage, and the leaders ended up slowing down to kind of allow the group to catch up before the last hill climb, and then they decided to you know carry on from there. They weren't going to give them that second chance to catch up. So the leaders who were... I believe past this point before this actually happened, that's pretty good on them as uh, sportsmanship to, uh, to slow up a bit and, and allow the rest to catch up, but I'm pretty wild. So now the French police are trying to find this woman <laughs> and they're looking, seriously, they're looking to charge her and the tour de France is looking to sue her. So this is becoming a pretty, uh, pretty crazy pretty crazy incident it's not just some random fan stepping out and knocking a bunch of riders down it's gonna be a legal battle come if they find who this woman is and eventually they will yeah. so pretty crazy so this this woman fan for you trying to get on tv and destroying a bunch of the tour de france riders you're in my penalty box because 
just sit on the side of the road, enjoy the race. Like just happy, happy. You can be there because last year, guess what? You couldn't, it was canceled. So be happy. And uh, this fan, this is in my box because they're so stupid. Stay the fuck on the side of the road. <laughs> she wasn't even watching the bikers coming at her. She was looking the other no. way. Yeah, just trying to get on TV. Trying to get on TV and just uh, not good. Not good. So the the sign was in French and like German type thing. So the, when you do the Google Translate, uh, it, so it said Ale and uh, I think it was Opie and Oma which are grandma and grandpa grandma and grandpa and and so basically it was like go grandma and grandpa so my assumption here is that it was go grandpa because the tour de france is a is a men's uh, race so joe it's great that you want to cheer on your grandfather if that was the case of if he is in this race or what have you but stay the fuck off the road man he just broke his hip probably if he did that like <laughs> yeah no shit died <laughs> but like it's funny that you say that that the Tour de France committee is trying to go after him, but like, who the fuck is watching these people that are that close to the road too? Like, you, it, well, that's the thing. Like, I don't know if you can sue sue someone because you aren't making sure these athletes are not going to be injured by these guys, kind of thing like that. Like, and they might put that in the rules come next year. Is you can't you got to be a certain way uh, distance away from the road. I don't know if you can enforce yeah. that though because it's. The thing with the Tour de France is that it's just you're just biking on the road. Yeah. Like you don't have barricades or anything keeping you back. Like I guess part of the good thing about the sport. Long race and everything like that, but at the same time, you should be able to like you said, it was the first stage uh-huh. of the race, too. Now, maybe going forward after this mistake that this woman has made, people will be more like even fans will be like, get the fuck out of the way kind of thing. Like yeah, that. for sure. I think you'll see definitely some fans, uh, you know, come to the aid of, of the Tour de France organization and helping keep these jackasses off the, yeah. off the road. A little bit of self-policing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this Goofy fan in my box, stay the fuck off the road. Jesse, who you got in your box? Well, I got this moron called Frank Clark. He was arrested for concealing a gun. In a, or having a gun concealed in his vehicle. Clark Frank Clark plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was pulled over for a vehicle violation south of downtown Los Angeles at around 9.20 p.m. on Sunday. Officers noted a, noticed a bag with an Uzi sticking out <laughs> in plain sight in the car. Okay, so I'm thinking you're talking about a fucking handgun. This guy's got a fucking Uzi? <laughs> yeah, and like... Like I don't know about you, but all I know about is Uzis that have appear like drug lords and like you know like bad guys, like guys from what was it, Die Hard? I think uh, Nakasaki Tower. They have <laughs> Uzis there and stuff like that. Like, like it's it's definitely like a bad guy gun. So I, it's just weird that he would have that in the back of his car. And his attorney Alex Spiro said that it belonged to Clark's bodyguard, which might be just throwing the bodyguard for the sure it is yeah so that he can try and play this year more or less but the problem is this happened in march with him too with him being in a car with another man and they when the officers said they had found two loaded firearms in a vehicle at another traffic stop like this guy did it twice sounds like this guy just needs to slow the fuck down in his car and he won't be busted for his illegal firearms I don't understand though. He he had a huge paid huge from KC too, and 
he won he he was with them when he won the Super Bowl in 2019. He was also the idiot that in 2018 when Casey was making that huge comeback and I think it was I believe it was in overtime Tom Brady when he was playing for the Patriots was able to get this goof offside and get him a first down when I think it was I believe it was fourth down or something like that and they ended up winning that game with a touchdown and Patrick Mahomes never even got the ball in overtime it's this goof that it, it was his fault and everything like that so it's he's he he is some kind of moron <laughs> more or less <laughs> needs to give his head a shake Oh, for sure. And and it doesn't really end there. And it also calls into question a few things with Andy Reid and, and KC, I, I have to say, because they've had a lot of troubled guys. Like, I understand about giving people second chances and stuff like that, but they've had a lot of troubled players on their team because he was also previously arrested in 2014 on suspicion, suspicion of domestic violence over an incident in Ohio Hotel. And he was removed from the University of the Michigan. So, like, if we go through it, how many guys have been on KC that have had domestic violence abuse? Like, there's Kareem Hunt and then Tyreek Hill. I think there's another one that had had a bit of an issue with the law. But this is – I get, like, these guys are all really good players, and he has been a good player for the most part. But – and he's making tons of money. But why are you carrying around – these guns especially an uzi yeah it doesn't make sense man Uh, we talked about a guy in one of the first couple episodes a pitcher and he was found with a bunch of drug money and a duffel bag and a bunch of guns or whatever else and we were flabbergasted that this guy you know you've got the ball the world by the balls you're a you're a professional athlete and you go and you do something stupid like this and this i mean this could destroy his career you know, will it? I don't know. Maybe not. You know, somehow probably get away with this because it's not like he killed anybody. But, but it's just something stupid that, uh, in my opinion, a pro athlete doesn't need to do. Like, you're a top dog. Yeah. Just, just live your life. You've got a bunch of money. Spend it as you please. And if you gotta have a fucking gun around, make sure it is on your bodyguard, not in your back seat, because then it. Who knows? It, it could be anybody's at that point. But if it's on the bodyguard, it's gonna be his, right? And it's America, man. Just register the gun. It's not that hard to own legally a gun. No, you're right, Peter. And and this was in L.A. too. So the L.A. PD do pull over a lot of African-Americans to begin with. Yeah, so. he was driving while black. So we know he's going to get pulled over. <laughs> driving while black. <laughs> like, yeah. So just, just make sure it's registered. Make sure you tell the officer too, and and or just don't have a gun on you. There, you do that too. Or keep it, keep listen to Jay Z, man. Keep it locked in the glove compartment yeah, of the truck in the back. For sure, <laughs> it's a, it's wild, man. It's just wild. These these guys, I don't understand. You know, it's every kid's dream to become a professional athlete of some sort. Like you know, I was wanted to be a baseball player. Like Pete, I guarantee you wanted to be a hockey player when you were a kid. I won the Stanley yeah. Cup a ton of times in my park. In my yeah, life. fucking right. And so, and these guys are living that life. And then you, you know, you do something stupid that could potentially throw it away. It just, just boggles my mind, man. Yeah, Peter, who do you have in your box? Yeah. So on a little bit of a lighter note, um, <laughs> <laughs> foreign substance checks started in in the MLB this week, like we talked about earlier. Actually, Pedro, before you continue here, I did look it up, and you were right. It is ten day suspension if foreign substance was found. Yeah. yeah. So I imagine tomorrow we'll hear that that Hector 
Uh, will, will be suspended for 10. Tickets. You said it's 10 days and not 10. It games? says 10 on our sheet from last week. It says 10 days. Yeah. But I, I believe it's 10 games. I think, I think that was like another thing with the, the at bats that you had earlier today. I think, I think it's, I'm pretty sure I'm almost positive it's 10 games, but 10, 10 team games, not 10 starts. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's always yeah. 10 team games. It's, yeah. Cause, cause at any point you can actually start. Right. right. Yeah. Even if you are a pitcher, like you can go the next day, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not going to. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. Just wanted to, to highlight that. Carry on. No problem. Thank you. So I got Scherzer and Sergio Romo for their, I'm going to call it dramatics <laughs> when they were getting checked. So Scherzer, actually, I'm going to do Romo first. So Romo, when he was getting checked, he fully tossed his glove and his hat on the ground. And fully undid his belt and dropped trow for the umps to check. That's fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It was hilarious. And the ump pretty much just looked at him and said, what are you doing? (laughs) Check me out, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing. I got nothing. And so Scherzer did a similar kind of thing. He he didn't actually drop trow, but he was close. He was undoing the belt. He had tossed the glove and the hat on the ground. But he, I understand why Scherzer was upset because this was, I think, the third time he had been checked in that game. Yeah, it was like in the game. Oh, yeah, it, it was a couple innings in a row. Girardi when I went out after yeah. him, and it, well, he, I, had, he had it then. Yeah, I, I think I think Girardi only called for it the one time, the last time, and the the mm-hmm. first two were just the routine in between inning checks. But the, the final check that Girardi called for sort of set him over the top. And you could see by his body language that he wasn't happy about. He fucking stared him down. <laughs> just gave him like, oh, yeah. just, <laughs> just crazy eyes, more or less. It, well, Stink so eye. That, that's after. So after he got checked and he was clean and he went back, I think he, he finished that inning and then he pitched another inning, which is the fifth. And then, so as he was walking off the mound on the fifth, he gave, Girardi a stare down as he was leaving the game, uh, which he barely knew at that point. And so Girardi, I don't know if someone on the in the dugout was saying something to Girardi, or if it was just Scherzer staring him down. But Girardi got all animated, came out of his dugout, started trying to. It looked like he was trying to pick a fight. Yeah, like you. He was yeah. trying to <laughs> he was make a beating, fight. beating the chest so more or less. <laughs> come, come on over. Hold me back, boys. Hold me back. Hold me back. <laughs> exactly. If you listen to some of the audio, it's literally like, you want to go, Scherzer? You want, or no, sorry, it wasn't Scherzer. He was trying to pick a fight with an ex-Yankees coach when, when Girardi and this other coach coached together. And so they were buddies. And then this other guy was chirping Girardi. Yeah. And then they were, they were going to get into a fisticuff. <laughs> Which obviously they weren't. So Girardi got bounced for his antics. So yeah, and the uh, the foreign substance checks saga continues. I don't think it'll be too long until you see some sort of restrictions on managers calling for checks on the pitchers for foreign substances. For sure. I don't know what that's going to look like, whether it costs them an out or I don't know. I'm sure something will change though. That they'll probably only have a, a limited amount. Yeah, yeah, and they can't they can't ask for it again, and it'll only be up to the ump's discretion probably to check it in between innings. I don't think they just unless they see something like like directly right in front of them, it'll always only be in between innings that they'll check the pitchers. Right, exactly. So yeah, 
Sergio Romo and uh, Max Scherzer for their uh, their antics getting checked. They're in my box. See, I think I. I don't believe they should be in your box because I would be pissed too the same way. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, like the way they acted, like, yeah, it makes sense that they would do this. They're all competitors and everything like that. And to to call them out like that, they're yeah, drop trow and and just fucking stare downs and just are you fucking serious? Especially for Scherzer, like three innings in a row and then the coach does it. Cause he's he's white. I think it was because he was wiping his hair in a different manner. He's like, I'm fucking sweating, bro. It's hot out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that's my favorite part about this whole situation is that I'm not sure if it was the second or the third time that the umpies checked uh, Scherzer, but he his hat is obviously out, off, and they wanted to check his hair. So he's fucking puts his head down, like, go ahead, bro. Like, you want to put your clean hands or semi-clean hands or my greasy, sweaty hair? No problem. So umpire caresses his head a little bit and <laughs> see if he's got anything sticky in his hair. Obviously, he didn't carry on. And then uh, fast forward to the next day, Scherzer's obviously sitting in the clubhouse. He's on the bench because he's not pitching. And he's losing his shit. And he's actually making fun of it. He's not He's not really pissed off or anything. And he... He kept uh, he kept yelling at the umpires to go and check Harper's Bryce Harper's hair. <laughs> go check that hair, guys. Get put your run your hands through that type thing, and, and because of course it's possible for uh, position players to have something sticky. You give it to that guy, he he makes it a little sticky, then throws it back to the pitcher. But he's an outfielder. So it is possible that one. <laughs> I know, I know. And Scherzer, he had the biggest smile on his face, so he was clearly just fucking around yeah. and joking. And of course, you've got Harper who has got. You know, he doesn't have flow like Bo, but he's got some flow. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so that was my favorite part of this whole thing. But I kind of hope that the pitchers keep doing this funny <laughs> stuff because it just gives you that little bit more for baseball. Yeah. It just makes it that much funnier and more interesting. But For sure. And plus, in between innings, is, that's the best time to do it because <laughs> there's for nothing sure. else. Like, there's commercials, right? But they always they, if something happens in between innings, they're going to show yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Good entertainment value for sure. All right. That brings us to our points scores for today, which are kind of boring. So there's two challenges. One that Jesse got Josh on, and whether it was Boston or Tampa that the Jays were six games back of. Yep. Half a game I got him on. Yeah. Yep. And that, a win earlier today. Fuckers. Yeah. And then the second was uh, Josh got Jesse. It was Ichiro or Matsui that was the first sort of major influence to the Far East. So we're all just squared away at zeros today. Yeah, you were a bitch, Pete, and yeah. Jesse and I were <laughs> we're neutral. <laughs> we're, we're beating up on each other, we said yeah. before the show. Like, we gotta yeah. get on Peter. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> just, just get Peter, let's get Peter, and then we get each other. That's pretty I, I just like to sit up on top and watch. Watch as they destroy <laughs> each other. <laughs> uh, so season scores, I'm at plus 10. Uh, Jesse's second at plus two. Yeah. Josh is third at minus four. <laughs> <laughs> and Kev is bringing up the basement at minus nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Maybe one day we'll catch Pete. I doubt it. <laughs> oh, this guy. <laughs> I'm not challenging anybody else. But yeah, yeah. If, if I keep talking <laughs> shit like this, I'm gonna get all the challenges against me for the stupidest shit. Uh, yeah, but if we keep playing golf and you keep dominating, then you don't have to worry about it. Well, here's the problem: he plays four fucking rounds a week, 
And we play once every two weeks. So, like, yeah. of course he's going to fucking beat I us. I can't help. Well, I, I don't know if more practice helps me more or less. But <laughs> <laughs> I can't help that as part of my job, it's very important to build relationships on a golf course. That's just part mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just old white money is that? That's what it's all about. <laughs> so how did you how did you shoot in your like three or four rounds this week? Uh, so well, so Friday we played and we actually played best ball. So I don't know, and we didn't really keep score. It was a very very casual outing at the golf course. And then I was supposed to be golfing yesterday, but it got canceled due to rain. And so I'm really only playing. I played once last week. And I'm playing once uh, tomorrow. I suggest we play best ball. <laughs> best ball is no fun. Maybe, maybe in a future tournament that we're looking at, maybe, 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 maybe throw all. Maybe we'll see. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for information. So that brings us into how was your drink? So Jesse, how was your drink today? Yeah, the Laura Borealis Pale Ale was fairly good. It wasn't one of the stronger ones that I usually drink. It was just five point one. Bitch today, bitch today. Bitch. But I definitely enjoyed it, and it was local, so that's always good. Adam. Peter, what did you what did you drink? I had or how was your? Drink? I had the Cowbell Brewing Company Absent Landlord Country Colch. I don't know what a country colch is, but it was very good. It's five point three percent. Bitch. I want to know what a, a country Kolsch was. Yeah, me, <laughs> me too. It's a bitch. Me too. But they taste good. They taste good. Hey, it's 5.3. What are you at, Josh? I think seven. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. You win. <laughs> so, Josh, how was your 7% beer? At least it's not PAPS or anything. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, my 7% non PBR uh, <laughs> Voodoo Ranger <laughs> from Steam Whistle, uh, the new Belgium IPA strong beer was really fucking good. Uh, I think I was done before we finished the NHL segment. <laughs> so I was definitely drinking backup beers. That's why you bring more than one. And then I had to uh, crack the old MVP as we did at the center at the middle of the uh, halftime, if you will. But uh, the Voodoo Ranger was really good. I enjoyed it. It's got a kick-ass can. And I'm definitely going to get this one again because, uh, like I said, it was it was pretty fucking tasty. So, And there we go. And, of course, MVP is MVP. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. It's, uh, it's a hot... It's a hot day beer, in, in my opinion. It definitely you can you can play sports. It's and, not hot in here. <laughs> oh, they're a big baller with AC now. <laughs> I was telling him before the show that wait till he gets his first hydro bill. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely in the ho- uh, honeymoon stage right yeah. now. With the AC. <laughs> that, that thermos will go up a few degrees real quick. <laughs> well, not necessarily though, because if he was pumping AC with those uh, window shakers or whatever, that could draw quite a bit. Uh, compared to the central air so yeah it was that was last year and i don't really i don't remember it being quite a huge bill and it was not comfortable unless you're in the bedroom <laughs> yeah, they can't they can't do it <laughs> well congrats on getting uh central air there jess uh it's been a long time coming and i have no problem coming to your house <laughs> yeah i have less of a problem coming to your house now yeah <laughs> What's the other problem? Yeah, yeah. it's just Jesse's house. Oh, that's not oh I thought I, I thought it was more or less the the drive, but oh, well, sorry, yeah. Peter. It's, it's <laughs> Apparently, it's just not good enough for your Toronto taste, you fucking snob motherfucker. I had I had to pick a fucking hour past 
fucking the other side of high the rolling five nights a week golf fucking playing Toronto fuck. It's the only reason <laughs> he, he he probably asked his uh his customers or his relationships that he's building. He's he's like, I need to practice to get some points here on, on my podcast. <laughs> so he's like Yeah. You gotta you gotta mooch them out. You can't you don't just get them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, glad everybody enjoyed the beer. And uh, I think we're all well past uh, the first one now. So for everybody here, points of penalties. That's Jesse. That's Peter. And Kevin is missing. He's uh, he said he would might come on a little later, but apparently he was pretty hungover this morning, <laughs> and then had to do the whole birthday thing with his daughter. So I wasn't expecting him to pop in at halftime or anything. But for all of us here at points of penalties, thank you for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram at points penalties. And until next week, stay Stay out out of the the penalty penalty box. box.